If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at PursuitChurchSA.com slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to follow us to enjoy more messages like this. So I wanted to just say, don't you just love how God meets us right where we are? Do you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, I know for me, when I have a problem to solve or there's an issue, I can get in my head like real fast. I can get in my own thoughts and try to figure it out on my own. But God has been, oh my gosh, he's been so, so patient with me over the years, just meeting me in the moment, meeting me in those moments and just gently and patiently leading me to his truth and leading me into a a belief in my heart of hearts that I can trust him, that he's faithful. Either way, I do have my moments of doubt. I'm not standing up here saying, oh, I don't I always have so much faith. No, 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 no. Doubt is doubt. And you know, God knows our thoughts anyway. In Psalm 139, it says, God, you know my thoughts from far away. There's absolutely nothing hidden from God. That kind of sets you free because you don't have to worry about trying to hide anything from him. You don't have to worry about hiding your, your disappointments, your fears, or whatever it is from God. And actually, he wants you to bring your thoughts and your feelings to him. And in Isaiah 118, God told the Israelites, and he's telling us today, come, let's reason together. That's an invitation. God is inviting us to bring our thoughts, our fears, doubts, disappointments, whatever is going on. He's asking us to bring them to him and let him walk us through it and lead us into his truth. That's how much he loves us. But my point in all that is this. God is patient with us and he's right there in the moment loving us and guiding us into the right way to handle our feelings our fears. And actually, lately, I've been hearing a lot about disappointment. I hear people say, I'm so disappointed. You know, maybe something they wanted didn't turn out the way they thought it would, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Or maybe, maybe you, maybe, you know, you thought all your hard work and your effort was going to pay off in a certain way and then it didn't go that way. So leaves you disappointed, right? Yeah, I get it. I know how that feels. Just last week, just last week, I got a phone call and I was disappointed because things didn't turn out the way I thought they were going to turn out. But y'all, disappointment, it's just part of life. It's just part of life in a fallen world. It is what it is. It's okay to be disappointed. Can we get the lights up a little bit? I feel like I'm talking to a bright pole. Let's turn the lights up a little bit. But for some weird reason, now this is, this is what gets me. For some weird reason, Christians, we tend to think that, okay, so we're walking in the will of God. We're doing what he told us to do. We're trying to obey him. So everything's just going to turn out the way we want it, right? We have that expectation. Well, okay, so sometimes it will, but a lot of times it won't. And what's really kind of funny to me, and actually it is, it's comical, is that you can hear some church or you see some church folks trying to hide their disappointment. Why do we do that? That is so lame. Like, why are we trying to hide stuff? And I get it. I get it. Okay, so we don't, we don't want to burden people with our problems, right? Or maybe, you know, we don't, we don't want people to think less of us or we just don't want to put our business out there, right? I get it. 
Or maybe we think we're just supposed to be happy all the time. Oh, God bless Jesus. God is so good all the time. And you're just worried about something. You're disappointed. You're hurting. And you know, I guess it's funny because we believe that. We believe that we have to, uh, you know, just put on a happy face. And you'll hear people even say, believers, saying stuff like, oh, it's so sad, but I know God has a better plan. So I'm just going to move on. I'm going to move on. And, you know, actually, you know, don't get me wrong. That is a good outlook, right? Except when you look up and they've actually moved on, literally. They're gone, like gone, like Elvis. They left the building. That's not a healthy way of handling it, a disappointment. And you see them, they've left the church. You know, they walk away from friendships that they've been forming in the church. And they sometimes even walk away from God. We have some really good friends and they were leaders in the church for many, many years and they got offended by something and walked away and now they're not even serving God. They're not even going to church. It happens. But I wonder, why do church people say stuff like that in the first place? I mean, my reaction is like, why are you playing? You know, you're mad. You know, you're upset. Stop playing. Be real. You know you're offended. Come on, man. Because you know what? Guess what? There is healing in revealing. We need to let some stuff out. Stop playing games. Stop pretending. Pretending don't get nobody nowhere. It's fake. Be real. Let it out. Talk to people. Healing is in the revealing. Okay, let me tell you. You know you get a thorn in your hand or a sticker in your finger, right? What do you got to do? You got to pull back some flesh so that you can actually see it before you can get it out and be healed. Reveal your stuff and get healed, man. Just reveal it. We have all been disappointed from time to time. Happens to all of us. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about what to do about it. Can I get real today? Because I'm about to get real anyway. We need to talk about these things. I'm going to give you the truth today, not some little platitude that looks real sweet on Instagram. No, no, no. We need to talk about the truth today. But, but before that, I'm going to give you a little definition. I love English. I love writing and I love definitions. I know Pastor Bob's like, really, this is not a speech. Yeah, it kind of is. We got to learn stuff. So if you look at the prefix D-I-S, dis, it means not. So when you put that at the beginning of any word, it changes the word to mean the opposite, right? Appointment is an assignment or a commission or a designation. So unmet appointments or expectations are disappointments. Today, God sent me here specifically to talk about what are we going to do with disappointment? What do you do with disappointment? And you know what? It is really simple. Trust God. That's it. That's all I got. Trust God. I want to look at the Old Testament. In 2 Kings chapter 5, there's a story. And it's about an army general named Naaman. I was kind of worried. How am I going to say name Naaman? His name was Naaman. Naaman was brave. He was a warrior. He was fearless. He was this big, mighty General, He was like one of the lead generals who served the king directly. But Naaman had this one weak spot. He had an incurable skin disease. 
Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what it was. Some people think it was leprosy. We don't know. But the bottom line is it was incurable, and it was a weak spot in this mighty man. Well, it just so happened that Naaman's wife had a servant girl. She was an Israelite servant girl. And she told his wife, hey, just tell Naaman to go over here to Samaria. There's a prophet there. And if he goes, he can get healed. So the wife told Naaman, and Naaman's like, yeah, it sounds pretty, sounds like a good idea to me. So he got on his horse, and he rode off to Samaria. But when he gets there, he goes to the house of Elisha, the prophet. And before he even gets to the door, Elisha sent out one of his servants to meet Naaman and say, okay, look, here's what you need to do. Go dip yourself seven times in the river Jordan, and you'll be healed. But here's what's strange. Instead of doing what Elijah said to do, Naaman got offended. What? That sounds really weird, right? Why would he do that? Why would he get all mad? He should have just done what Elijah's servant told him to do, right? But how many times, how many times, y'all, has someone told us what we need to do to get healed by God and we get offended? We get upset. I had another word I was going to use, but we get up, we get hurt, we get offended. Not even considering that maybe, just maybe, we do need an attitude adjustment. Or we do need to repent. We do need to forgive. We don't even consider that because we're too busy being offended. Right? Let me tell you something. Pride and ego can lead you to being offended real quick. You got to be careful. And pride is tricky. Pride is very tricky. I know I've told you all this before, but pride is extremely tricky because you don't even know you got it when you got it. It hides so well. And that's what happened to Naaman. That's exactly what happened to Naaman. Let me tell you how. First of all, Elijah didn't even come out to speak to this guy, right? And remember, Naaman, he was a big, mighty general in the king's army. He was kind of a big deal, right? How dare this Israelite prophet not even come and speak to him at the door? I'm sure that's what Naaman was thinking, right? And Naaman also, this is important, his army had also conquered the Israelites previously. So I'm pretty sure Naaman thought very little of Elijah, who was an Israelite, and certainly not as much as he thought of himself, right? Right? Now, you got you to gotta admit, y'all, when you have a skill, a talent, you know how to do something, you, you, you telling people what to do, you kind of you get a little puffed up sometimes. I mean, who's, who's guilty? I'm going to be real. You can get puffed up real quick. I think that's how Naaman was. He was thinking, how dare this lowly Israelite that I conquered not even come to greet me at the door. But not only that, Nathan had a very specific way that he thought he should get healed. And I don't even know why he thought that, because nobody told him that. It doesn't say in Scripture anywhere that somebody said, oh, this is the way it's going to go down, Naaman. So why do you think that, right? Imagination. Naaman was expecting Elijah to come out and maybe wave his hand over him or, or just speak something and poof, he'd be healed, right? That's what Naaman was expecting. That's what the Scripture tells us. But on top of that, there was this whole Jordan River thing. Naaman even said it. He points it out in scripture and he said straight up, there are lots of nicer rivers than the Jordan River. Why should I go dip myself in that filthy water? Naaman was a little bougie, y'all. He was a little full of himself, a little up there. 
And pride, pride is what caused Naaman to get so angry and write off and be offended. Not to mention, I'm sure he was disappointed. You see, Naaman wanted to be healed. He wanted a healing. He knew he needed a healing. And he was willing to lower himself and go seek out someone that he probably thought was beneath him to get the healing. But, there's always a but, right? But, he expected it to go down in a certain way. And when that didn't happen, he was disappointed. And not only was he disappointed, but the scripture tells us that he was ready to give up and go back home. Does that sound familiar to anybody here today? Think about it. We expect God to do something one way, and when he doesn't, we're upset. Mad at God. How are you going to be mad at God? I mean, I'm not judging anybody because I've been mad at God. I'm just saying, think about it. Think about the ridiculousness in that. Naaman was upset, mad, offended. And we do the same thing. But aren't you glad that God is so patient with us? He's so patient with us. He knows what we're thinking and he meets us right where we are. And to be totally honest with you, in reality, all those things we've been expecting God to do a certain way, man, some of us, we might need to be in God's time out instead because of all the crazy things we've been acting like and saying lately. Think about it. But anyway, Naaman, he wrote off all mad and offended. And then one of his servants, someone who actually worked for him, steps up, speaks up, and spoke wisdom into the situation before Nathan got too far off the rails. Y'all, this is why, this is exactly why we need to build community in the church. We need to intentionally do that. And we need to stick around. We can't be leaving when people try to speak truth into our lives. We can't be running off saying, oh, God told me it's time to move on. No, he did not tell you that because you're offended. Absolutely not. Let me tell you something. God never tells anybody to leave because of an offense. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 18, he tells us, no, 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 no. You need to stick around and work it out. And not only that, because he's so good, he tells us how. Read it, Matthew chapter 18. You don't believe me? Read it. He tells us, God tells us, this is what you do when you get upset. And this is how you do it. Don't just go running off saying God told you. No, he doesn't do that. But let me say this, if the Bible supports what someone's telling you, you need to do, then you got to stick around. Let God work it out and so you can grow. And not only that, you'll find that you'll grow closer to that person. It's just the way God works. And I know that some of us are introverts. I get it. I'm an introvert. I really am. I have to like really... Y'all just don't know. I used to be an extrovert, but in my older age, I am not. And so some of us are introverts, and I get that. But we got to get out of our comfort zone. We have to get out of our comfort zones and, and get to know each other, spend some time together, learn about each other. Let's build some godly relationships here because we need each other. We all need each other. We need each other so that one of y'all, one of us, can stop other believers in our tracks when we start to get off, when we start going down a wrong path, we can't let our feelings take over. And when we start to do that, we need fellow believers in the church to tell us, hey, hey, hold up. Don't do that. This is the right way. They can remind us of the truth when we forget it. 
That's the point. This mighty general, this man who gave orders to thousands of people, he listened to his servant. He had the wisdom to listen to his servant. And Naaman had the sense to turn right back around and go back. We have to be teachable, y'all. We must be teachable. Not one of us is beyond being teachable. Because when you can't be teachable, you can't learn nothing. We have to be teachable. We can't go around thinking that we always know what's best because we don't. We don't. God created us for relationships because we need each other. So we need to listen to other believers. They're trying to help us get over ourselves. We need to listen to them. Pride will make you unteachable like that. And that's exactly, y'all pay attention to this part, because that's exactly how the devil wants to keep you in bondage. Always running off, always getting upset, always fighting, striving, and never having any real peace. Naaman listened to his servant. He turned his horse around, and he went back, dipped in the dirty water, and got healed. He got healed. We have to let go of pride, thinking that we know how the outcome should go. No, no, no. We just need to let God be God. We all have expectations, but you know what? They're limited at best. But I'm going to say this. Aren't you glad that God is not limited by our limited expectations? We serve an unlimited God. He's the creator of the universe, and he's got a wild imagination. And if you don't believe me, just look around. Look at all the different kinds and species of things that he's created. Not one of us in this room even look alike. I got kids in this room, and they don't have to look like me because God has an imagination. He can do whatever he wants to do, whenever he wants to do. His resources are unlimited. And not only that, 1 Corinthians 10, 6 tells us that the earth belongs to the Lord and every single thing in it is his. You guys, you can trust God to handle your business because he's always going to do it in a way that is always in your best interest. Always. What if Naaman hadn't obeyed because it didn't happen the way he thought it should happen? Are you willing Ask yourself this, are you willing to miss out on something amazing just because it didn't happen the way you wanted it to? Are you willing to do that? God's ways are so much more complex than ours, and they're better than ours, so we just have to trust him. In John chapter 9, Jesus, there was this guy, he was blind from birth, right? So Jesus heals him. And the way he did it was he spit into some mud, rubbed it in the guy's eyes. The guy washed it off, and the guy was healed of his blindness. But if you go back to Mark chapter 10, there was another blind man, and Jesus healed him just by speaking, just by speaking the word. And my point is, God is not going to do things the same way every single time just because we think he should. And get this, when we think we know how he's going to make something happen, or, or better yet, how he's supposed to make something happen, we can get disappointed because our expectations aren't being met. That's a dangerous place to go to. And, you know, I think that, I think sometimes we just get ahead of ourselves. 
Think about that. We get ahead of ourselves because we're outcome focused and we ignore the process. Can't ignore the process. And just because things aren't moving forward in a way that you thought they were supposed to move, that doesn't mean it's a failure. That doesn't make it a failure. If it's still moving, it's still going. It's not over yet. Thinking like that, that things have to happen a certain way, that will lead to disappointment so fast and it'll make you do crazy stuff. Make you think you missed the mark somehow. So the next thing you know, you turn around, you go in another direction, trying to make something happen. And all because you're outcome focused and not process focused. Let me just give you a revelation here. God's the rainmaker. God's the one who makes it rain. We're up in here trying to make it rain. Uh-uh. We're never going to be able to make it rain. God is the one that brings the rain. We're sitting here trying to make it rain, thinking there's a drought. But is there really a drought? Just because you think something doesn't mean it's true. A lot of us, including me, I'll be real, we thought that Pursuit Church would look a lot different by now. Right? Right? And you you can just look amen. You ain't got to say amen. But I know. I know we thought it was supposed to look a lot different by now. But I think it's because we spent so much time, so many months preparing, preparing the church. And we forget that we've actually only been open to the public for like 10 months. Not even a year. But even so, it's pretty safe to say that a lot of us thought that there would be less empty seats on a Sunday. We've been praying for rain, and God's trying to show us there ain't no drought in here. Think about it. There ain't no drought in here. Let me tell you something, y'all. He's right. Because you know what? God has been making miracles happen since we got the keys to this building. Since day one, he's been making it rain. And I'm not talking about little drops. Like the the rap man was at our house the other day and I saw a big drop. I'm like, is it raining? He's like, I don't know if it's raining. No, God's been making us know it's raining. He's making mighty miracles. Let me tell you something. We have a guy. He's a highly skilled general contractor in San Antonio. Highly skilled. He came and he did the majority of the renovations of this building. Him and his crew. There is not one wall in this place that I don't think Carl and his crew touched. Not one wall. And you know what? He did it for free. Zero. Nada. Free. He never asked for a penny. And not only that, him and his wife sowed generously financially into this house as well. That is what it looks like. That's what a miracle looks like. That's provision. That's a miracle. That's God making it rain. Who do you know that would do that? Think about it. Who do you know that would sit here and build month after month after month, build God's house, working hard for free? We have to trust God, y'all, and let him do it his way. Another way to handle disappointment is to remember this. When God is in it, a little is a lot. When God is in it, a little is a lot. You know, there's this miraculous story in the New Testament. In fact, it's so remarkable because it's the only miracle of Jesus that's actually written about in all four Gospels. It's in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So let's turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6. We're going to go through verses 1 through 15, and we're going to read it. Did y'all bring your Bibles? 
You brought your Bibles, right? Got it on your phone, got it in your lap somewhere, right? Got to bring your Bibles to church. So you never know what God's going to show you. So let's read, starting with verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee. That is, the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. And that's important because when Jesus looked up, he saw a great crowd coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, "Uh, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. And another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Well, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in the place. And they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Now I'm going to pause real quick because that is significant. It says there was plenty of grass in that place. Grass in the Bible signifies a place of rest. So basically what we have Jesus saying here is, sit down, take a rest, I've got this. So anyway, let me get back to the reading. So picking up in verse 11, Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks. You notice before Jesus did any miracles ever listed in the Bible, he always gave thanks. We need to give thanks to God before we ask him for anything. So Jesus gave thanks and he distributed to those who were seated. Remember, he told them to sit down. When they sat down, they were obedient. That's significant. As much as they wanted, they ate. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. Nothing is wasted in God's economy. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is coming to the world. You know, when I was reading this, I was like, I kept telling Pastor Bob, man, there's so much good stuff in there. I, gotta, I, gotta, I can't, I got to stick to the point. I got to stick to what God told me to say, because there's a lot of good stuff right there, y'all. So many things, but we're going we'll to do that another day. What I want you to see is this. Even Jesus's closest followers needed to be reassured. They had become disappointed. Philip asked Jesus, I mean, Jesus asked Philip, Now, Philip was a man who'd been following him a long time. Jesus asked Philip, how are we going to feed all these people? Again, God never asks you a question that he doesn't already know the answer to. Verse 6 tells us so. Jesus did it to test him. He was testing to Philip to see what he would say. And you know what? Philip failed that test. He said, we don't even have enough money to buy anything. Can't do anything here. Then you have Andrew. Now, Andrew sniff it too because Andrew is the very first disciple Jesus ever called. He's the first one. So you have Andrew showing some kind of little, some semi-quasi faith. He says in verse 9, well, there's this kid over there. He's got some, some small loaves of bread and some small fish. So, but, but, but what can we do with that? 
Like he kind of had a little hope in it. Like I said, some kind of semi, maybe sort of faith. I mean, he had that. He did bring it as a possibility of something, right? But that is all that Jesus needs from us. That's all that he needs. That's all Jesus needs. Some kind of little semi half faith. And he blew it up. He fed 5,000 people with just five loaves of bread and two fish. That's all he needed. A little bit of faith. Matthew 13, 18 says that Jesus couldn't do many miracles in his own hometown because of their lack of faith, because of their unbelief. But here in this story, in this story, you got Andrew showing some kind of little bit of wavering faith. And you know what? That's all Jesus needed. And he performed a huge, huge miracle. A little bit of whatever kind of faith you got. It's all you need for God to work a mighty miracle in your life. Because when God's in it, a little is a lot. You know, Pursuit Church exists to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing this. Right here in this moment in this city. That's why we're here. And, you know, we've had a total of, um, I think it's five monthly food pantries since we've opened up in September, right? We're a little baby church, right? But guess what? We've fed over a thousand people, y'all. That is huge. That's huge. This church of about 50 people or so has already done great things for God's kingdom. And you know what? I know it's because of our faith, your faith. Because faith without works is dead. And we've been doing the work. We've been tilling the ground. We've been planting seeds of God's love and goodness in others. Every time they come in the door, every time they come to get food, they are literally seeing us be the hands and feet of Jesus. God is making big miracles in this little baby church, y'all. And the devil better watch out because we're a baby now. And we've been charging hell with water pistols as a baby. He better look out because we're about to bring out the big artillery, y'all. I feel it in my bones. I need y'all to feel it too. Don't be disappointed. God's doing miracles. He's already done them. He's got a lot more to go. Our faith, your faith, your faith, no matter what it looks like, just a little bit of faith. It's all you need because Jesus just needs a little bit of faith from us. And that little faith is exactly what will lead others to Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here. That's why we're here. So I just want to end this by encouraging you. I want to encourage you. It doesn't matter how long you've been saved. Doesn't matter how long you've been serving in the church, loving Jesus. You're going to have disappointments. We are going to have disappointments. But you just have to trust God and let him work things out the way he chooses to do. And remember, always, always remember that when God is in it, a little is a lot. Would you bow your heads for me? I want to pray. I want to pray for this church. Y'all, we can't get hung up on results. We just need to stay the course, enjoy the journey, and God will work it out. He always does. He always does. Heavenly Father, we come to you right now in the name of your son, Jesus. And I know that some of us here have seen some disappointments lately. 
Father, I know there are broken dreams in this house, things that, you know, we thought were going to turn out one way and just didn't happen. So I ask you, God, to just speak to those hearts right now in this moment. Let them know that their hard work, their effort, all that they've been doing, you saw. You saw every bit of it, Lord, and you were in it. Father, let them know. Pour out your spirit on them. Just a spirit of love and encouragement and hope. Pour out your spirit on them and let them know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are here, you saw them, you know, and you are bringing the rain, Lord. Lord, infuse them with you, who you are, your love and your hope. And if you will, Holy Spirit, let them know that everything they're doing matters. It is making a difference, and you are pleased. And God, I ask you to specifically rain down on Pursuit Church, your bride, your church, your idea. God, rain down on this church and give us everything we need to do exactly what you called us to do, Father. Let us be spirit-led. Let us have um, just the courage to come out of our comfort zones and and meet each other and get to know each other and build relationships together. God, because you put us here for such a time as this. Father, remind us. Give us what we need to be able to do that. Heavenly Father, give us teachable hearts so that we won't let a spirit of offense come upon us when others try to sow into us your truth. Father, give us teachable hearts. Give us a spirit of humility. Let it just fall down on us like rain. Father, we thank you for who you are, and we bless your holy name. In Jesus' name. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at PursuitChurchSA.com give. Thank you for listening, and remember to follow us to enjoy more messages like this.